Vinyl Crisis. On LA's west side, a group of avid and devoted vinyl collectors scour the remaining handful of locally owned record shops for the rarest of original vinyl to bring you music you won't hear on any other radio platform. None of it is digital. This is how music was meant to be enjoyed. This is Vinyl Crisis.
Welcome back. This is Vinyl Crisis. And uh, Vic, how are you today? I'm wonderful. Excellent. Uh, we're having a wonderful... Uh, the, the music that we just heard was absolutely staggeringly beautiful. And we are having a guest who I'm very excited to talk to, Mr. Bobby Matos, today. Um, you, you picked up a wonderful vinyl record there, Vic. What were we, what were we listening to? We started off uh, Bobby and John Santos off the Mambo Jazz album. Uh, we heard the first track, uh, Mambo Jazz. And uh, for me, this is really personal and very special. Um, it's because of Bobby's music that I started uh, foraging and looking for vinyl in the Afro-Cuban section of stores. Right. Like, like in the early 90s when I first started collecting um, vinyl. And when we first started the show, I could never have imagined that we'd be spending a couple minutes with him on the phone. So here we are. Let's see if Mr. Matos is there with us. Sir, are you on the phone? Yes, sir. Hey, this is wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're very, very excited. And please, Mr. Matos is who the bills come to, but Bobby is who you're talking to. Well, that's even better. <laughs> better for me. We, we just want to call you sir. <laughs> well, Bobby, look, thank you for joining us today. Um, it's amazing. It's a real treat for us. Uh, your music is you know, incredible, and we're just huge fans, and uh, we it's very hard to find your music on vinyl. It's It's very sought after, and... The prices are sky high, and for for very good reason. Um, so we are going to encourage a lot of people to do some digging uh, today. With our precious few minutes with you, we just want to dig into the music and the stories behind the music and what got you motivated in the first place. Um, you can do a bit of research on Bobby Matos for any of our listeners interested, and in. he has played and been inspired by some of the greats and is one of the greats. So, um, in your own words, sir, Bobby, how did you get? How did you come into uh, playing on these drums? You know. Um my mom was a mambo dancer and she used to practice late at night and I would leave, even when I was little, I would leave my door open because I was afraid of the dark when it, when it was time to go to bed and I'd hear the music coming from the living room while my mom was practicing her dance steps and I love that music. That music is just hypnotic, you know? Right. So um, I, I started dancing and uh, I used to, when high school I was singing doo-wop, but I wanted to play congas as well, you know. And from congas it led to timbales and all the rest of the Latin percussion, you know. Excellent. And what kind of music was that that you were growing up there with your mom? Because I remember it says famously on, on online that you started out with pots and pans. Was What were you listening to at that time to feel the inspiration? I was listening to anything that had a beat, you know, from <laughs> Nat King Cole to Tito Puente and, and Machito, you know. Fantastic. Um, and of course, uh, Tito and uh, Willie Bobo were part of your encouragement into the world professionally. Is that correct? Right. right, right. Uh, so tell us how you forged those connections. You went from pots and pans to somehow connecting with your own heroes. <laughs> I went from pots and pans because we didn't have any drums. You know, I, <laughs> I didn't have. I, I remember seeing a toy drum in a store when I was a little kid, and I wanted it so badly, and my mother would not get it for me. Right. Of course, I guess she figured that I would never stop playing, and she was right. Well. Yeah, it's funny that, isn't it? I know a lot of kids I knew growing up who wanted to play drums 
uh, who uh, just would not be able to get a kit. You know, they would they were okay to go and do it at school or in the village hall or in some other kind of you know facility. Mm-hmm. But you know, parents don't really want their kids playing the drums, do they? It's funny. No, they don't want. They want their house to be nice and quiet. <laughs> but you managed to buck the trend. How did you? How did you break through that barrier? Um. Well, for one thing, I moved out of the house. You know. Okay, <laughs> that that'll help. Right. When I when I was going to, uh, I went to New York City Community College, and I moved out of my house to live with my grandmother, and. Um, I started meeting a lot of people that were into the world of mambo dancing and playing, and uh, I met some friends that had a Kong, had conga drums, and I met one guy that was going to sell his drums, so I bought it from him. Excellent! Wow, and the rest is uh, musical history. Hey, Bobby, at what point did you just know that this was going to be it for you? I mean, walk us through being a young young man growing up in New York and learning to play this incredible music and having some of these heroes. I, I, I didn't know. It, it was just, uh, it's like a fever. You know, you get it and you get, you know, hooked by it and you can't stop it and you don't realize that you're making a lifestyle choice, you know. Huh. Wow, that's a that's a yeah. really profound way to look at yeah, it. Yeah, if, you, yeah. if you think and, about and it. I, I, I met some, some guys that had an Afro-Cuban uh, percussion group and uh, they let me join, even because I had a drum. And they and but they realized I I didn't have as much schooling as they did. So they took it upon themselves to give me some basics, you know, to give me some basic uh, 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 skills, you know. Oh, and one of the things I noticed is that you've you've performed and played with a real diverse set of musicians. Are you attracted to some of what these guys are doing, or do, do they just? think of you as one of the best people on the congas and and hire you or i mean obviously you you're highly been highly in demand over I'm the years i'm attracted to a lot of music you know I, I i love brazilian music i love bebop and modern jazz i love uh modern classical music like the lobos and people Leonard bernstein you know mm-hmm. aaron copeland and and uh i, I like a lot i am r&b i love r&b you know and um I I wouldn't do a gig that I wasn't happy with, you know. I wouldn't stay with a band that 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 turned me off, you know. I had a chance when I was younger to play with a lot of uh, folk artists from Greenwich Village, uh, people like Fred Neal and Tom Paisley and and Dino Valente and uh, Louis Gossett Jr., who became better known as an actor than a singer, mm-hmm. but he was quite a good singer and guitar player as well. Wonderful. And uh, and did you feel that at that particular time there was? an openness to fusing different types of music or or did you feel that you could help shape some of where that was going? Because there was a lot of folk music that sounded, you know, to my ears, similar. And it was hard to break through as an artist, I guess, in that world. But, you know, you would have brought something completely different. You know, I, I, I just like doing it. And some of these guys, you know, asked me to come and play with them, you know, and, and I, I never thought about it, you know. And I said, well, what, what do you want me to play? They said, just... Uh, Dino Valente, for example, he, he told me, um, I don't know if you know who he is, or he, he was part of Quicksilver Messenger Service later in his life. Right. But uh, he would tell me, uh, well, over here in this tune, I want you to play the mountains, and over here in this tune, I want you to play the ocean, you know, and I'm going, okay. Wow, <laughs> very artistic interpretations. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sure what the mountains were or what the oceans <laughs> were in sound, but that, that's what he wanted, and that's what I tried to give him, you know. 
Well, it sounds like there's a lot of respect and trust among you and your working musicians, Bobby. I mean, for somebody to be able to paint a visual like that and then for you to sonically come out with something like that, uh, the cats just got to trust I, you, I you know? I was still really just learning. Although, to clarify that, I feel I'm still learning. I think we spend our life learning, and, and when you stop learning, you're dead. Well... That's a great way of looking at it. And certainly, you know, I think any of us who have to push through with enthusiasm, what we're doing, we have to take a lot from that. Yeah. And, and speaking of learning, there's something very interesting that you, I think you wrote an article and it's on your website about how the Ken Burns documentary basically glossed over a very, very, very oh, significant yeah. part of this music specifically that we're talking about. And I would love to hear your perspectives on the article and, and, and kind of how you started thinking about how this seminal part of jazz was completely omitted from the dialogue of the last 80 years, according well, to that it documentary. completely omitted, but it was reduced to like a sentence or two, you know. Um, I, I, I just feel that um, I think that what people don't understand or, or, or if it's foreign or just different to what they used to, they seem to ignore or they gloss over, you know, and uh, it's too bad because they miss out a lot. Yeah, I mean, considering that the East Coast had such a vivid culture, uh, ethnicities, uh, a lot of integration, a lot of open-mindedness, and, and it was basically the epicenter of the music really revolution, if you think about it, going back to the 1920s. Uh, to have this entire style of music a little bit, you know, kind of marginalized, I think that's why it's so important that we have conversations with musicians such as Bobby because mm -hmm. they've been seminal in the evolution of that music and keeping it at the forefront of what's still happening with this this beautiful spiritual genre that we love. Well, yeah, yeah, that, that, that that's really true. I mean, there were a lot of things going on. Um, there were a lot of musicians from, from Puerto Rico and from Cuba um, that were contributing to this music. Early on, there was a, a wonderful trombone player and composer named Juan Tizol. Uh, he's better known as the composer of Caravan, mm. um, which Duke Ellington helped make mm -hmm. famous. But Juan Tizol was the composer of... And he was part of um, James Reese Europe's Hellfighters Orchestra in World War One. And uh, he wasn't the only Puerto Rican musician involved with that. I think Rene Hernandez, uh, not Rene Hernandez, uh, or oh, I'm just blanking out, uh, uh, the composer of so many great, great uh, uh, Puerto Rican songs was, was in that orchestra as well. Um, when I think of his name, I'll, I'll, I'll plug it in. But... Yep. Hello? Hello. And yep. okay, wonderful. And um, so, one of the questions I had in mind for you was: uh, you, you, you play in such a collaborative way, and you know, we, we've had this with other musicians that we've asked questions to about uh, you know how how they like to get in the zone and how they like to be inspired themselves or or in groups. Do you do you feel that you know for you the relationship with music is it's a group activity, or, or are you quite happy? playing on a piano or playing on your own just to kind of amuse yourself and compose what what is it that does it for you well you know i feel you can you can create all this music by yourself but if you don't play it and no one hears it it's like it doesn't exist so uh i think people need to hear it you know 
and 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 the need to collaborate maybe makes things a bit better or or do you do you feel that music needs strong leadership well the first the first collaboration is between the musician and the listener and uh-huh. and uh, the informed listener can contribute quite a bit to the music and and I saw that on a lot of different levels I saw that when I was dancing to a band right and I would dance in front of the band and 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 they would tell me that they would be um inflamed or excited by some of the stuff I was doing with my partner, you know. Yeah. And then I saw it when I was playing with a band and saw great dancers, you know, reacting to what we were playing, you know. And and I saw that it really is a, a symbiotic relationship, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. I was uh, I was lucky enough to be on the, the East Coast last week and um, right in the meatpacking area there and uh, was hanging out a little bit with the DJ Louis Vega who was telling me that, you know, he sees these trends coming and going in uh, uh, how he interprets and works with Latin music and how he makes a, a kind of house version of it or he, how, how he sees people dancing in the clubs. And he, he was very excited because he felt like the trend and the heat was coming back. Um, would you, do you see any, any, any of that going on when you're out there playing or, or talking to other musicians? What, what do you feel is going on right now? Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not sure. I do see... Uh, quite a lot of popularity in Latin music in, in the West Coast. I do see a lot of that here in, in L.A. Right. and in San Francisco. And uh, <laughs> there are a lot of bands in New York, but I don't see as much work for the bands in New York. Ah, Although there are, there are some wonderful musicians in New York still, you know. And is that because of the club scene? Is, is it different now with audiences? or people I go- think it's the audiences, you know, mm. the... the, the uh, if you listen to to pop music, you don't hear any Latin influence at all. If you watch the Grammys, you don't see any Latin music on the Grammys. Mm. You don't see any. I mean, it's like like we're being ignored, you know. Yeah, it's interesting that. I mean, um, a, a, another friend of mine who runs a record label on the, on the East Coast, he feels the same way. Um, he runs Sunflower Recordings, and his, his name is Jamal Chess, and we've interviewed him on the show in the past. He's often looking, and he says he's striving to find musicians that cross over that kind of mainstream popular whether it's pop music or hip-hop or other types of music but bring that latin sensibility into what they're doing and he's kind of but I even think, when you try it it gets ignored you know and it, when you do it i mean my last uh, uh album uh Rimon blues has quite a lot of r&b on you know and quite a lot of uh, uh fusion of of latin and and soul music you know on it and and uh Maybe Latin stations play it, but American stations don't play it. You know. And is that so? Another and and, and I've come to the c- conclusion that mm. I'm not looking to be accepted anymore. I make this music because I'm driven to make it. I love this music. I'm going to continue to make this music until they put me away. You know. <laughs> and I don't care if you don't like it. Don't listen to it. If you like it, listen to it. You know. Uh, uh, you know, I'm not. I'm not looking for the, that acceptance anymore. I, but I've come to accept it. I've come to realize that uh, Latin music is not accepted by the general public, by the by the American public. And do you find that public. I think it's more respected in Europe? Interesting. And, and Bobby, that's just a, a really incredible observation because I think with age, whether you're a musician, artist, or whatever, you you have to get to this level of self acceptance and love. But do you feel like once you got to that point, and it's about the power and the fever that you referenced earlier, that the music went to a next level uh, with you and kind of like some of the chances you were willing to take? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about the music. It's not about, you know, uh, I mean, 
if people like it, great. You know, we get a chance to play. People react, you know, and it's great, you know. And then we might not play again for another month, and people, you know, uh, uh, you know, forget about us and stuff like that. But, but I don't care. You know, it's about the music. You know, we we, we exist to make the music, and and uh, I I don't care if they don't write about me in the New York Times or the LA Times or you know Time Magazine or whatever. Well, something's going. I really don't. Something's going on out there. If they don't they, write about Eddie Palmieri. Why should they write about Bobby Mantos? You know. <laughs> Something's going on out there because Vic and I, you know, we love Latin music, we love Brazilian music, we love a lot of the Afrobeat, and we go out and we try and find this stuff on vinyl, and it's hard to find. You know, you can, it is hard to find. You can find, you know, all the popular hits from California all over this state, and, you know, even when I'm fortunate enough to go record shopping in Miami or New York, it's hard to find. People are out there eating this stuff up, and I wonder if we're on the beginning of a resurgence or of a new kind of acceptance where... Actually, people realize that this has always been there and it's just been, you know, for whatever reason. You know, one one label head once said to me um, there were too many Mexican pop hits in a manufactured Mexican pop hit world that dominated the radio and it was very hard for great Latin music and classic Latin music to come through. Now, I'm not sure because I don't have too, too much first-hand experience of that, whether that's true or not, but it, it does prove a theory that there's a general media, you know... Uh, you know, not acceptance of some of what this is grassroots coming through. And when you play live, I bet you see a different reaction. When we go record shopping, we see a different reaction. So there's definitely something going on, and I wonder what we can do to help. Well, I don't know. I I, I, I really don't. You know, I, I'm I'm all I can think about is is what do I need to do to make my next piece of music better or more exciting or yeah. prettier or what you know. And and uh, I'm not so concerned about its acceptance anymore. Good. Yeah, it's almost like the shackles have been removed. I mean, yeah. if, if if you think about the origin of this music that has just consumed us all, and it, this is music, this is music that doesn't go away and doesn't change and doesn't become old fashioned and, yeah. and stuff like that. I was uh, uh, in the car today listening to a mix CD that I made of uh, some of those things were like 60, 70 years old. They sounded great. Yeah, timeless. You know, I'm talking about Tito Puente and people like that. You know, I'm going. That's, well, that's all damn, I listen man, to. You know, I'm a, I'm in a real Tito Mongo frame of mind right now, and everything I do is just listen to those guys. And I'm, you know, it's 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 wonderful music to have. You know, I live next door to Mongo Santa Maria, man, and I oh. idolized that man. <laughs> well, I did, I really did. I didn't realize that I was going to move next door to him because <laughs> I hadn't met him years before, but. And I did live next door to him, and I used to start going to his rehearsals and stuff like that. And I became very good friends with his son. Well, here's, a, here's an interesting question, seeing as you brought Mongo up, because, uh, and I, I don't know whether I'm seeing this a little bit more, but I, when I dig through the, the vinyl sections and, and the Latin and the, and the Afro-Cuban-influenced uh, sections of record stores, often I'll find that the owner or the proprietor of the store will come up to me and say, hey, have you heard this? Or this is an interesting uh, Latin... In, in, uh, version of you know Dawn Penn's No 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 or wherever it may be and Mongo did a similar thing when he was releasing great records in the late 60s he was covering people of, that were popular of the day and doing it in a Latin style and getting maybe you know crossing over audiences that way well to- he was he was covering a lot of people because that's what the record labels wanted I think right. when people left Mongo alone he recorded much better music yeah no I think you're right absolutely but isn't it isn't it interesting that you kind of take that horse to water 
And then, you know, by, by doing those covers and people like start recognising and, and kind of saying, well, this is actually quite cool. And I, and I think in this new vinyl subculture that's actually blossoming and, and blowing up. Well, people... he, had, he had a few covers that were just fabulous, like Cloud Nine. Oh, yeah. You know, but not all of them. I, I, some of them became formula, you know. Yeah, no, interesting. And I don't think it was his fault. I think it was the record labels that he was... They were forcing him for, to do know? stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, Bobby. But Mogul's music was incredibly diverse and incredibly original. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, was and still is. And still a very vibrant voice, if you think That's about right. it. That's yeah. right. That's right, and still is. Well, and, and, and that, that goes to your point. You were mentioning a while back when we, when we were talking that one of your go-tos is Eddie Palmieri. Um, you've mentioned oh, you've mentioned Tito Puente. Um, I'd love to get another great musician's opinion about another great musician. What is it about those two cats specifically that even after all these years, you think their music is just as important and just as wonderful because as it was? They back- know how to grab you. They know how to grab your soul and 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 turn it on and 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 give you that juice that you don't want to let go. You know, they they give you that. That, that energy and you don't want to let go of that energy because it's so wonderful and you haven't gotten it from anywhere else, you know. And and the greats do that. Palmieri does that. Mongo does that. You know, uh, uh, they they can do that. There there are some artists today that that are very exciting and different. You know that that do that to me as well. Jerry Gonzalez. Mm. Yeah. He's one. You know. And, and what is, what's going on for you, priority-wise? What's coming up? Are you, are you touring? Are you recording? What's what's on the agenda? Right now, uh, we're just I'm just kind of like laying back in town. You know, we're just uh, I'm doing more writing. I'm getting um, a lifetime achievement award this Saturday, October 9th. Congratulations! We saw that. Yeah, and, uh, and I'm not doing a lot of uh, a lot of traveling right now. Although you know, it's. I, I, I don't want to go on, on these exhausting tours. I will do a run out. Yeah. I will go out and play somewhere out, you know, out of the country for three or four days, and then I want to come back. Excellent. And, and where in particular would you, if the opportunities uh, were the right ones, where would you, where would you look at going? Well, I, I like playing in London. I like playing in Barranquilla, Colombia, you know. I, I, you know, I, 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 I like playing in San Francisco. I like playing a lot of different places. Well, we'd like you to play in uh, West Hollywood <laughs> or uh, Silver Lake or try to maybe well, tw- do, uh, twist your arm. Don't come out, you know, and it's not well publicized, maybe, you know. Well, we need to check out more, more closely what's going on. Well, now that we have a direct uh, a phone number for the man himself, I, I think you're going to see two eager kids uh, at your next show. So how does how do you keep it vibrant and evolutionary and constantly interesting for you to make music after you know a lifetime of innovation I, it's the music that that, that that does that i i can't really claim responsibility for it i'm just a i'm just a vessel uh, um and i think the best musicians in the world will tell you this i'm not responsible for what you think i'm creating I didn't compose these songs. I didn't write these songs. I didn't create these improvisations. They came through me. This is the music of the universe. And it's just trying to make yourself a, a, a decent enough instrument that you can hear what's going on in the universe and you can, you can perceive that logos and you let it flow through you. Um, uh, I have a song that we play a lot now called Early Morning Song. 
and and that song came to me while I was sleeping. I can't say when I sat in, at the piano to try to knock it out, I couldn't. And then I, I watched a documentary about Leonard Bernstein, and he said the same thing. He said, I'm pounding away at the piano, and I'm not getting crap, you know. He <laughs> said, I sit down on the couch and close my eyes, and the music starts flowing. Yeah, do you believe in the connection between consciousness and unconsciousness for, for, for artists? And that the, the, the great artist is willing to take that challenge of what's coming up from maybe the murky underbelly of the soul it might be dark it might absolutely. be you do no no absolutely absolutely there's a lot a lot more to uh to putting it down you know when musicians say oh i wrote this and i composed this and i did this you know i, I say yeah yeah right sure you did you know <laughs> i mean i guess i if you ask me and uh, about a particular song and i'm listed as a composer i'll tell you i wrote it but really it came through me i didn't created so so and i think most of the great artists will tell you that that's very interesting because that makes it almost like democratic if you think about it there's no ownership in it right you you you've you you need to do a little work so you can write that stuff out you know you need to do a little study so you can understand what you're hearing interesting and and put the right harmonies and the right rhythms to it you know I, i mean otherwise but it is democratic. I think it comes through a lot of people. Yeah, that's a lot beautiful. of people turned off to it because that's not what they they they're involved in. You know, I I, I do a meditation. Um, that one of the things that, that it asked me is uh, uh, about goals and 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 uh, the, the the answer to goals, the meditation for goals, is what is my life all about. Right. You know, and my life is about making music, making sound. You know, and and other people are not. Other people are their life might be about making visual stuff, or literate stuff. You know, or mechanical stuff, or scientific stuff. You know, not everybody is focused on the same goal, so not everybody becomes a composer or an arranger. You know, but I think that we all have the potential. Yeah, for sure, and I, I think you're I don't r- think there's any. Any uh, hierarchies, oh, this guy, you know, he's got the ability to be a Beethoven. Sure, you see people with real talent and real ability, and you recognize them, yes. You know, and if they've done the work, yes. But the work is really becoming a good enough instrument to channel that stuff. Right. And and do you think, you know, uh, you know, searching for progress is, is part of that as well? You know, wanting to, you know, improve... On sounds, or do you think you know a lot? Of, a lot of the musicians we talk to just talk about you know the movement of the audience, or you know there's this kind of music theory that runs throughout society that you know if people are moving to the music, then there's a new movement in town, and you can be ahead of that, and you can you can become popular off the back of it. Obviously, you sound like I don't know. You sound like someone dedicated to your craft. I, you know, I, I really don't. I really don't. I, I hate to be dull and uninspiring, but I I, I don't think that way. Well, I guess another way to look at it is: Do you do it for yourself, or do you do it for other people? Both. You still but do it for I both. Do it if I didn't love it, right? If yeah. I didn't have the passion for it, I wouldn't do it. No, understood. I wouldn't do it for anybody. Wonderful. That's amazing you know? because if you think about a great art camp, you can't really bullshit it, right? It's kind of no. like you can dial it in, and it'll be less organic or less articulate or less yeah. spiritual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If if you're not passionate about it, and there's got to be lulls over a lifetime of creation of creating wonderful music, 
Uh, but I, what I find inspiring about your music is just this desire to continuously innovate and keep making music. I again, it's hard for me to say that it comes from me. I mean, I, I I'm 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 a victim of it. I'm a victim of the mambo. You know, I got the boogie woogie. Uh, 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 pneumonia and, uh, and the rock and pneumonia and the boogie woogie flu, you know. Yeah, I, I got the mambo, mambo mania, you know, and, 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 and I can't help it, you know. Yeah, it's almost kind of like... And, what... and there's so many, there's so much. Sometimes you hear something and you say, wow, I never heard that, you know, like the first time you hear John Coltrane mm. or, or Miles Davis sextet in the 60s with Herbie Hancock and Ron Carter and Wayne Shorter and you go, wow... Listen to that. Whoever thought sound could be like that, you know, music could be like that, and you and it just turns you on, you know, and 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 there's so many possibilities and so much, you know, going on that that if you're receptive to it, you 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 it'll flow through you, you know. Can I ask you uh, about again? I can't take credit for for. Oh yeah, I I created this. I innovated this. I wrote it. You know, man, that's BS. You know, that's that. Yeah, that's um. Let me... somebody that, that, that uh, maybe a, the younger version of myself would have said that, you know, but, but I, I learned a little bit better, you know. I want to ask you about one artist in particular, because we've been talking about the Mambo, and obviously we're talking here a lot about percussion and, and that kind of thing. And I'm a big fan of Cal Jader, who I think oh, yeah. started the careers of a lot of people, evolved his own career off the back of obviously working with other, other musicians. What, what, do you th- what do you think of that man's work? What kind of mark has he left on the world? I thank God for Cal Jader. Cal Jader, you know, wow, he just enlightened my teenage years. You know, thank goodness. You know, and and the work he obviously I did. I love Cal Jader, and and his choice of fellow musicians: Armando Peraza, Mongo Santa Maria, Willie Bobo. You know, yeah. Vince Guaraldi, Al McKibben, uh, Paul Horn. You know, I mean, wow. Jose Chombo Silva. He surrounded himself with the best. You know, and. He was an inspiration, and I, I got to meet Cal and even jam with him a couple of times, and, and uh, wow. Cal Jader, whoa, I love Cal Jader. And of course, he was very prolific and allowed to be, which I think is one yeah. of the points we need to make here, is that, yeah, yeah. you know, fantasy... And he and made, then... You know, he, he made some great straight-ahead jazz, and he made some great Brazilian music, as well as Afro-Cuban music as well, and he was good at everything he did, you know? Yeah, and, and, and very importantly, allowed to do it. You know, I mean, those fantasy years and the Verve years, you know, they were prolific years, you know, like probably... Because f- everything wasn't about uh, putting Echo and Rock Guitar and Baby <laughs> Baby and, you know, and the record in order to create a hit. You know, everything wasn't about that, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was young enough to be swept up in the rock and roll movement, too, and I liked a lot of early rhythm and blues, but I didn't like it once it started getting real commercial, you know. Right. I don't want to name names, but, you know, you, we know who we're talking about, you know, all, all the cover artists that were covering all the black R&B artists that, that really sounded like white bread, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just... And then rock and roll became a thing of its own. Now, there are are, are rock musicians that I still care for and I still like and respect, Mm. (coughs) but not many. Yeah. I liked, I loved the Rascals. And I had a chance to work with the Rascals for a little while, too, but I loved them before I ever met them. Amazing. 
Well, you, you summed sure. it up nicely there. It, it became a bit of a monster. It became an industry that was obviously about replacing stuff on different formats. You know, replacing the, yes. the records with yes. tapes, replacing the tapes with CDs. And, and now what? You know, now we have this ubiquity of music consumption. We have people being a bit confused about what's popular and what's not. Everyone right now is wondering when that vocoder sound is going to go away. Uh, how you many know, more hits can you, you have know, with it? Uh, um, I get to New Yorker magazine in the mail, and I was, when I read their music critic articles, their music critiques, <coughs> I wonder, what the heck are they talking about? <laughs> you know, what what is wrong with these people? Why aren't they writing about Herbie Hancock and Wayne Shorter and Eddie yeah. Palmieri and, yeah. you know? yeah. Well, I also Instead think... of writing about, you know, these guys who are using uh, uh, different synth tools to make music with, you know, there's an article in the current issue about this guy that he he uses a, a voice device that he sings through that alters his voice and stuff like that. Yeah. Going, well, this is not music. This is trickery, you know. Yeah. And what do you? One question on this because it's an interesting point. You know the Fania label in Miami. Uh, Fania Recordings, they have uh-huh. they have this uh, view actually that's quite progressive, and I'm not quite sure how much of it's come to light yet. But I, my understanding is that they're making the stems of some of their most classic records uh, and recordings available to modern DJs to go out there and try and create something new from it. Uh, so that might be you know Ray Barreto, it may be the Fania All Stars, it may be uh, you know LeBron Brothers. Remix stuff, you know. It wouldn't necessarily be remix. It would be more like here's here's the original conga, the original baseline. You know, what can you do with it? So I guess it is le- remix in a sense, but it's more try and let this music become discovered by a new audience. And I, I don't know. I think the intent is good. I just don't know. I haven't seen too much of the execution myself. Well, I, I hope you're right. I, I have a little trepidation about it, though. Understood. Yeah, I, I'd like to make Excuse a po- I'd like to make a point about what you two were uh, just discussing. I find that besides just the format of how music was distributed, or let's call it really what happened, uh, white America taking over black music and ethnicities, you know, in the fifties and sixties, I feel like music got away from the art of improvisation and the ability to sit there and create in real time the ability to play your instrument and the ability to play your instrument the ability but the, to have chops yes yeah. the ability to play your instrument you know even even uh, uh, black music hip hop is like a revolution against uh, the white pop music and stuff like that but it's not uh, I, I don't see a lot of artistry in hip hop I might see a little bit you know here and there but, but not a lot you know and and I'm sorry if that makes some enemies, you know, for me. But uh, but I, I see a lot of hip hop was sounding the same. Yeah, you know, and a lot of remix stuff and a lot of stuff that's done uh, on the boards, you know, electronically and, and uh, trickery. You know, I, I I've been in the studios enough times. I know how to use all that stuff too. But it, it it's not where my head is at. You know, not so. Well, you know, we do appreciate where your head is at and we appreciate everything that you do for the, the, the art of music and everything that you, you do when you get together with musicians and perform. We're going to look out for those secret gigs on the West Coast. Uh, any particular okay. venues we should be keeping our eyes on in the coming months? Uh, right now, I, 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 I can't even call one out. You know, I don't even know what our schedule is for the next couple of months. We just we just stopped playing a couple of venues that we were playing for like the last year and a half. You know, okay. So. Uh, you never know what clubs want or, you know, 
Uh, we were in these clubs, and I thought we were killing it, you know. And then uh, I was told by the guys that book it as well, they want something else. Well, okay. that's their loss. Yeah. That's so their that's loss. Else, you know. What we're going to do is we're going to dig out. We're going to follow bobbymatos.com. We're going to find out. We're going to post it on our Facebook. And we're going to encourage the world to come and check it's out Bobby Real Music. Music.com. And I don't, I don't really maintain that website, but I, I do post on Facebook. Sure. Great. Well, we'll search for Bobby Matos. We'll share it on the Vinyl Crisis page. We'll make sure our followers our followers are yours. And uh, we look forward to seeing you in the, in the flesh, sir. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for joining us today. We've enjoyed your music. We continue to do so. And uh, keep inspiring us because uh, we are all about everything that Bobby Matos does. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you. You've been listening to Vinyl Crisis, featuring rare and eclectic all-vinyl musical treasures. 